bulletproof radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today is going to be an awesome and amazing episode because I have a friend and a guy who has changed the way we think about health over the last 25 years of sharing tens of thousands of cutting edge pieces about health content online. And he's written a new book uh, about COVID-19 that hopefully this episode will be allowed to stay up. We don't really know for sure. I'm talking about none other than Dr. Joseph Mercola. Dr. Mercola, my friend, welcome back on the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's really great to be back with you. And, uh, you know, with with this COVID-19 craziness, I only lectured once last year. And that was with you in Park City in December. So it was great to catch up with you. Yeah. Chance to spend some time. And, uh, you know, because your the best event of the year was canceled, so, which is your biohacking. Uh, the biohacking conference. Well, it's rescheduled. September, the biohacking conference is meant to happen. We've got a virtual one coming up, and you're going to be speaking at that as well. That's May 8th. Uh, so doing my best to spread it to the world, uh, the podcast, I mean, <laughs> and the conference. And uh, to let things calm down. I mean, you've talked about keto, you've talked about intermittent fasting, you've talked about EMFs on the show, and you've been an inspiration and a source of knowledge for huge numbers of people um, in functional medicine and wellness just for, for decades. And, you know, back when I was, you know, in my, my mid-20s, I think you started your website and I was reading it back then. So I've, I've definitely benefited from your knowledge over the years. You and me and everyone else I know who has a, a noteworthy and respectable website got, I'm going to say, punched in the face by Google and that they changed their algorithms to the point that to this day, you cannot find any useful health information on Google. You have to use DuckDuckGo or there's another browser you like better. Which one is that? Or another search engine? Swiss Cows, which you can get. Swiss Cows. My favorite browser is Brave, and you can actually download an extension to that. Actually, you can do it on Chrome too, but I would not recommend using Chrome, but you can download a a Swiss Cows extension and make it your default search engine. It's crazy. I found I couldn't write fast this way using Google because they wouldn't give me any good studies, any good posts, anything. So I had to, to ditch it. So that, that's part of this weird, it's not quite censorship, but it's pretty creepy when all of a sudden the good stuff isn't available. It's clearly overt censorship. There's, there's no other way def, uh, description of it. It's censorship. <laughs> it's funny because censorship, we think of taping it over and blocking it out, but this is soft, sneaky censorship, right? Where, oh no, it's still there, you just can't find it. So it, it's like burying it. Yeah, it's essentially the same thing. I mean, if it's on, if it's, you can't even... I mean, you can't even copy and paste the article in and come up with the search results. You know, it just, it doesn't work. It's just crazy. So they've suppressed Wow, it. that's censorship. That's straight up blocking. Okay. Um, so yeah, I have, I've moved all of my search activity away. And I didn't move away because I was angry. I moved away because it doesn't work anymore, right? <laughs> all right, so, so we're in a situation where now people listening understand you can use uh, Swiss cows, uh, you can use DuckDuckGo, you can use any alternative browser and you do that because it works better, not out of some anger at, at Google or anything. Like literally, you wanted search and you're not getting it anymore. You're getting programmed content that isn't good. And in the face of all of that, instead of backing down, you're like, let me write a book about COVID. <laughs> so where does this, uh, where does this just like, like 
fighting spirit, fighting for the good cause come from? It's like, what, what keeps you motivated to do that? So just being like, screw these guys, I don't have to do this. Well, my, my primary motivation was to help people uh, recover their health and, and avoid needless pain and suffering by choosing the conventional model. And then it, the longer you get into this, the more you realize there's, it's not just an educational intervention, which is why nearly 10 years ago now, we set out into um, health activism and support. You know, 10% of our profits go to support four, four nonprofit entities that are designed to hit things in, in, in various directions. We were largely responsible for um, GMO awareness by, by catalyzing the initial uh, donation to raise, uh, to acquire signatures for the direct ballot initiative in California in 2011 or 12. And, and, and we lost that campaign because they cheated and they, they basically, it's legal to lie in these campaigns and they did. Uh, but we did, we won overall because we created the awareness, which was the primary purpose of the campaign. And, and we rolled it over into like five, four or five or even six other states. So as you know, I mean, GMO is, it, it, we really put a dent in their system, but that's sort of a, a, a tangential uh, discussion. Uh, and we, you know, we're involved in other areas like vitamin D awareness and fluoride, vaccine. With the vaccine is a big part of this. And I want to Vaccine is a big part of it, but before we get into the the new book, um, how do you keep from getting just angry and bitter over all this? I, I mean, like you, you keep coming up with truthful, well researched, good stuff, and people just just like like keep fighting it. Like like how do you how do you stay positive? Listen, you and I are involved with Doctor B, and I'm uh, deepest gratitude for uh, helping me understand who this person is. And I met him at your event in April. Doctor Barry, um, Doctor Barry Morgulon, you're talking about. And we're in his private client group, right. which is literally, literally it's like 15 people or mm -hmm. less. So um, we both know well that there is never, never a justification for anger. It is getting you deeper into the matrix and will just make you go backwards and spend unnecessary energy. So that is, that is, a, that's definitely a reason. So don't get angry. You know, there's, I mean, eventually it's a love and forgiveness strategy and, and, and you want to motivate yourself to action. So, and that's what we've been doing. We've been identifying the cause and we're really, the, the primary, my primary focus now is shifted mission-wise to, to necessarily, it's extended, not shifted, but extended beyond preventing needless pain and suffering in the conventional model to preventing global tyranny, which will accelerate needless pain and suffering and deaths. So it's a much broader global mission now. Uh, and the COVID book was part of that. And I'm excited to tell you very confidently, this will be an absolute bestseller. How do I know? Because Amazon has pre-ordered and you cannot submit a refund on this 100,000 copies. This virtually never happens. The only 100,000, and you know from, you've a lot of bestsellers. How many times have you had 100,000 pre-orders from Amazon? It doesn't happen. I've never had 100,000 pre-orders. In fact, Fastest Way just crossed 100,000 sales about two, three months after it came out. Uh, and that's been a successful book. So to get a pre-order like that is, that's a whale of a book. Yeah, this is going to be number one. Now, do you think you'll make the New York Times? No, no, we will not be in the New York Times. I, I am totally banned from the New York Times. Yeah, yeah. It'll be number one in the USA Today, Wall Street Journal, Publishers Weekly, but it will not be in the New York Times. So it won't even be on the list. Wow. Yeah. Who would have? Who would have thought? I yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've got New York Times bestsellers. It doesn't matter. You know, it's actually. But making number one is and, the, and 
number one selling book in the whole country. Although I might have problems with Dr. Zeus. You know, he's because of Amazon banning Zeus, you know, he's got a lot of sales now. So. You know, sometimes when they say bad things about you, uh, you end up you end up just becoming more more known, and I think that's happened with you. They call it the Streisand effect, which is really cool. So the the more they rail against Dr. Mercola, the more they hear about him, and you know it's something worth listening to. So I I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I made the front page of the New York Times, the Washington Post, because I was the villain, the tyrannical villain behind the anti-vax movement. I was the primary funder for it. I said, "Well, yes, that's me." <laughs> I'm proud of it. So, <laughs> so it, that that resonates with people. It does resonate with people, and and one thing that I, I know about you is that you are absolutely willing to put your money where your mouth is. You know, you, you're a, a meaningful philanthropist towards causes you believe in, which is the biggest sign that you know someone's doing the right thing. It's also something that's misused by certain people. You know, they they do philanthropy as a tax dodge, and that's not what you're doing. You're actually spending on action, which I I really do respect. Gates, in a nutshell, uh, you know, the, the previously wealthiest person in the world who has used the tax law to effectively radically increase his net worth. So he donates 10 or 20 billion and he doubles or triples that because he's, he, he that basically makes these investments, these donations from his, 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 his uh, foundation is what he has, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He donates it to other, that, to another company that donates it to, to, it, Industries and, and uh, investments that direct benefit that direct him benefit benefit him directly. So it's extraordinary. He's able to increase his wealth by the donation. And, and yet, it's a very clever strategy that was uh, well. The philanthropy strategy was copied. He copied from Rockefeller. And I live in a small town in, in Florida uh, that Rockefeller spent most of his last days. He actually died here, like a mile from my house. So he copied his strategy in a way very effectively, very effectively. And I, uh, I review this with It's a profound strategy. Yeah, it works. It clearly works. Gates is not stupid. He's clever. And he's part of this whole issue. And, you know, he figured this thing out years ago, more than a decade. He cleverly put himself within the World Health Organization. And if anyone does it, that's a big part of the story of this book is the World Health Organization. Because if you think about it, they're the primary controllers of the whole process. You know, they dictated when the pandemic was. They redefined the definition. They, they they made the definition of what was and what wasn't an effective therapy, what would work and would not work. And they controlled the whole narrative. They, they demanded global lockdowns and almost every government in the world complied. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And who was behind this? Gates. I mean, they're taking direct orders from him. He's the, uh, aside from the United States, which I believe Biden has uh, reactivated our funding for the, the World Health Organization. Uh, Trump discontinued it, and the Gates was the largest primary contributor, more than any other country in the world. He was the primary funder. So he, he's very strategic. The guy is brilliant. He met brilliant and nefarious at the same time. So he's largely responsible for this whole thing. And you know, I'm, are you familiar with Event Two Hundred One? Well, share it with listeners. Okay. So Event Two Hundred One is an interesting organization that get, the Gates. Yeah, it occurred in late October of 2019, about six to eight, maybe eight weeks before the pandemic was started. And there was uh, the World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins was there, uh, and Gates, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So uh, essentially it was an exercise in uh, pandemic response and get, they did a coronavirus. Little did they know that in six weeks we'd have a coronavirus pandemic. Of course they knew. I mean, it was all planned. 
So, I mean, that, that's, it's, they're so, so blatant at times and, and they have this whole narrative of, uh, that they created. So, you know, when you mentioned Google earlier, Google is a huge part of the problem. In fact, kind of Gates is like the spokesperson. He's the front guy. And he clearly has contributed to this, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes and, and more than just Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. I mean, the, another guy doesn't get a lot of credit, but deserves it is uh, Eric Schmidt. He's the guy that really brought Google to prominence, took it over from Sergey and Larry in the early 2000s. Because prior to then, Google was good. I mean, you and I both love Google. I mean, it was the greatest badge of honor to have a Gmail address. Now, if you have a Gmail address, you should have your head examined because they are copying and storing every character that you write, every character permanently. It will never be deleted. They know everything about you. Your, your privacy is violated. And that, 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 if that isn't bad enough, they're using this collected information to understand and accurately predict your behavior and the behavior of the of society. So they, and they have, you know very well, the deep learning tools that they have and the computer processing power and the artificial intelligence community that they, that they own through, mm-hmm. through um, deep, deep mind. I think it's deep mind with Dennis Casibas over in the UK. They bought them for half a billion uh, a few years ago. That's the, that's the organization that made AlphaGo and that beat the world uh, Go championship. Champion, yeah. At least a dollar, I think, initially. So anyway, so they're using all these resources to identify what precise factors will predictably control our behavior. And they've been doing this for decades, literally two decades. So I'm a, I'm a trained computer hacker. When Google was two guys and two servers, they came to a company that I helped to co-found. Um, and I, I do believe the founders believe their, their don't, the don't be evil um, statement. But I think the don't part might have fallen off at some point. <laughs> right. Well, I think right. it, was, it was catalyzed by Schmidt. That guy is like dangerous on steroids. It, it could have been. And it's, it's very interesting. For a long time there, I ran a plugin on my browser that would do a random query of Google at a random number of seconds all the time mm-hmm. so that my data stream would be really polluted. And they still make that. But I'm like, you know what? I'm burning electricity for no good reason because every search query actually burns electri- electricity. So I'm not going to do that anymore. But I generally steered away from, from that side of things just as a, a well-educated hacker knows architecture and all. So we're to the point where there's global economic and technology forces that have a vested interest in making us do and think certain things. And in the face of that, like, okay, I'm going to write a book and your name has its own credibility, but you partner with Ronnie Cummins, who is a founder and director of Organic Consumer Association, which is a nonprofit that's really created the organic standards that big food hates to this day. And you've got Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the book. Like you've got really credible people in the book with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bobby was just so gracious. I mean, he was under such enormous personal demands that I felt so bad trying to pressure him for the forward. But he finally came through it to literally like a half hour before it's going to the printer. It was crazy. But he, he's a great soul. And we, we both look forward to connecting with him next month in California. I'm looking forward to getting some yeah. getting some time with him as well. Yeah, because he, he, he is one of the, he's one of the most powerful guys in this movement. I mean, he's... 
clearly a very clever attorney who's been successful so many times, but he he's a very good strategic guy. And I'm really looking forward to really coming together a plan with Bobby and how, how we're going to combat this thing at a very deep and strategic level. So uh, it, it's going to be fun working with him. I'm one of those, those weird kind of middle of the road people where, um, you know, we have all the, what really happened in September 11, 2001 sort of things. I can say the story that I'm hearing doesn't look very accurate, but I also don't feel like I can say this guy did this and it was this because this guy met this guy. Like, like you can get twisted up in conspiracy theory stuff. And one of the discrediting techniques they use is say just, you know, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. You just lump it all together because there's some crazy people out there. When it comes to the the pandemic, I mean, I've had the head of United Biosciences on before the pandemic and stuff happened because I'm like, oh, you're, you think you can do some kind of new vaccine that doesn't have adjuvants that might let you turn off like a life-threatening food allergy? Like, tell me more. Like, like maybe there's some useful tech in here. Um, Deepak Chopra talked about maybe there is such a thing as a safe vaccine at some point. Do you ever think there could be a safe vaccine that lets us control our immune system or are they just always going to be bad no matter what? You know, I would never say never, and it's, it's certainly absolutely impossible would be, I think, a foolish statement. I think it's yeah. possible. I don't think it's likely, certainly in the near future, and I certainly think this vaccine isn't. And I think this, this vaccine is a big part of everything that's going on. Now, let's assume that the people who believe that this vaccine will help end the crisis and reduce the death toll, let's assume that's their sincere desire and intention. Let's face it, most people believe that. Yes, because they've been cleverly manipulated through the Google data collection process. And it's not just Google. Sure. Facebook is Twitter. They're all pretty similar. But Google is probably, Google and Facebook are most It's scary. tech, yeah. Yeah. So, so is that sufficient justification to silence the critics and conduct nationwide brainwashing campaigns that control public opinion on this topic? Anyone, anyone who's carefully studied this cannot objectively dispute that that is indeed the case we face today? The answer is no. People need to hear both sides of the story. Otherwise, how the hell could you possibly have informed consent? It's impossible. I I don't know. I, I grew up where you were allowed to be wrong, and, and you were still a good person if you were wrong, and you were allowed to say things that people didn't agree with, and that was just considered educated. And now, uh, clearly, they demonize people who say whatever isn't the current narrative, which which is surprising and scary. Um, just for the the amount of time I've been on the planet, I'm like, wow, this is a, a sea change. And so you you've stood up and you said, all right, you know, you've you've done a bunch of research about this, and you say some things that are pretty darn definitive. It's not just me. There's there's dozens, hundreds of other people who've done extensive work. I didn't mean to sound that way. Uh, thank you, Dr. McCullough, for, yes, there are like 25,000 plus people have signed the Barrington Declaration. There is, I'm married to a doctor. She went to Karolinska Institute. I talked to a lot of doctors. You talked to a lot of doctors privately. At least half the doctors I know about are highly concerned about the state of things, whether they got the vaccine or not. They're still really concerned. They have great, you know, great concerns about the vaccine, about our response, about the effectiveness of all this stuff. So there's, there's huge discontent and questioning that you don't hear about when you read the Washington Post or something. Um, so we're there. So you you talk to a lot of these people and you say some things though that are very definitive in the book. And granted, they're, they're coming with other people, but you say the that um, COVID was lab engineered and came from Wuhan, the bioweapons thing there. How do we know that's, you know, that, that that's real? 
sincere question. Like I, I'm not challenging it. I just don't no, know. No, 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 no. There, there's enormous supportive evidence, and, and we could literally spend several hours on it if you want to go into the molecular biology of it and the specific sequences that are there and the, the proof for that and the publication and, and, and the funding for it. The Wuhan lab is, uh, you know, I've done many, many interviews on this with uh, Francis Boyle, who is a University of Illinois law professor who actually was responsible for the bio or bio and not bio, the some some type of oh, I forget the this the it was a it, it's a federal law that if you're prosecuted on you go to you're not killed but you're you're given death sentence but you're given life imprisonment. Um, it's bioweapons act I think it was is the, he he passed he was responsible for okay. in the late eighties. So he was one of the first. I mean, I interviewed him in February of 2020. At this one, it was before it was an official pandemic. And, you know, he was spot on even back then. So, uh, and, you know, identifying the evidence and, you know, with the, the uh, North Carolina researchers who are a big part of this, uh, forgetting the name of the primary researcher there, I think it was Ralph Barrett, if I'm not mistaken. And then Shi Li with, in the Wuhan lab, which is the, known as the coronavirus, the Batwoman, really a expert researcher on coronaviruses for the last 10 years. And they've done this gain-of-function research, which should be illegal. I mean, it should absolutely be illegal. Yes, it should be. We're not suggesting in the book that this was an engineered virus that was uh, intentionally leased on the population. It could have been, but, you know, there's no proof of this that I'm aware of, but it, it appears to have been at, at a minimum accidentally released. And it was not from a regular food market that they claimed it was. And, and it, see, the thing is, when you, when you start to study this, as I mentioned, alluded to earlier, Gates is behind this, and he's engineered the World Health Organization. You have to be beyond skeptical of anything, anything that the World Health Organization says is true, because it's probably a lot. I mean, it, it just most likely is. So if they're behind the narrative, this is the, this is the organization that, you know, they, they, they have a lot, a lot of clever strategies, you know, what? Now, they were not only just not opposed to vitamin C, vitamin D, which essentially have no side effects at all, are virtually free and, and highly effective, but they were even opposed to drugs that competed with their final recommendation was, which is the vaccine. If I mean, and the, the World Health Organization was behind the campaign to discredit hydroxychloroquine, which is a very safe drug that works in the recommended dosages. So they spun off studies that used doses that were 10 times higher that did have side effects and it did work. And they didn't use it with zinc because that's the way it works. It drives zinc inside the cells, which helps stop viral replication. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they spun these studies and just discredit hydroxychloroquine. And they did the same thing for ivermectin. So they, they were not even opposed to natural therapy interventions, but they were opposed to even any drug that was inexpensive and effective. So, and, and there was, and they, they, they were probably involved with this whole, this, the Lancet published a study that used fraudulent data from this company called Surgisphere. I'm sure you're familiar with that. And it was just absolutely fraudulent data. And the experts were coming out as soon as it was published. It was a peer review, one of the best journals in the world. It got, and it totally discredited hydroxychloroquine. So they, they ultimately wound, wound up retracting it. And, uh, but they, the world, they didn't, World Health Organization didn't change its position at all on hydroxychloroquine. And it was essentially removed from the equation, despite brilliant people like uh, Vladimir Zelenko, who's just an unbelievably committed position out in New York and, and, and 
really did so much to, to, to herald the, the active use of that medication. I'm not, not a big drug guy. I don't think you need hydroxychloroquine. My favorite thing, maybe this is one of the pearls of the treatment, is if I just learned more about this, it's so crucial. I discuss it in the book, but it, it's really difficult to explain it deeply in the book. And I've done videos on my site. So if you haven't seen or heard about this, before, definitely go to my site and look this up. This is going to be one of the biggest pearls you get. From, this is a proactive preventive therapy. And that is nebulization of hydrogen peroxide. I know it sounds simple and maybe foolish, but it works. I'm telling yes. you, I've never seen anything more effective in my entire clinical career for the treatment of viral upper respiratory infection. There is nothing better than this. But here's the other thing. So, I mean, and, and so just go to my site, look it up. You'll find lots of articles and videos that are not on YouTube because they would be, <laughs> they would be get me banned. But it, we tell you how to use it to get. But, but let me just finish. There's, it's, it is, this is something you obviously have to have before you need it. But I just learned from Dr. Levy. I just interviewed him this week, actually. And he, he's uncovered a real other benefit for this intervention that suggests you should eat. Everyone should use it twice a week because it kills these unnecessary pathogens that are in your upper respiratory system that tend to die and secrete toxins and they cause dysbiosis or a, gut, a, a non-optimization of your gut microbiome. So he knows unbelievable benefits from gut microbiome by using it. And he notices that if he goes less than twice a week, it tends to, it tends to recur. So I'm doing it now twice a week. And I reckon, I think everyone should do it. I mean, the cost is really just the cost of the nebulizer because the, the, the hydrogen peroxide is essentially free. It's probably less than a penny per treatment, maybe a tenth of a penny. You know, it's, just, it's free. So it's crazy to do it. And then you have it yourself. And if you get sick, you can use it and treat yourself, your family, and your friends. I had Frank Schallenberger on at the beginning of the pandemic, who's you know one of the I call him the, the godfather of ozone therapy. Yeah, he, he's been on your show as well, I think, right? I uh, no, I haven't, but I he, yeah, and, and so he's, he was talking about it too. Yeah, Frank, Rob Rowan, and Tom Levy, and uh, and David Bronson are the primary uh, promoters of this. Yeah, yeah, famous names in alternative medicine for long periods of time. So, guys, listening. I have a nebulizer. I've had a nebulizer for a long time uh, and I have hydrogen peroxide and I made sure that my, my close friends had one as well. And, you know, we talked about on the show, Dr. McCall has a ton of info on his site about it and, you know, it's, it's cheap and easy. But what I find going through my mind is I wonder if people are going to actually hear this episode or if it'll sort of suddenly like disappear into the digital ether. So I hope you hear it here <laughs> and we'll, we'll see if it works. Well, if it, if it gets censored and removed, because that's one of their strategies, that they censor things and they deplatform people. And they wanted to, Honestly, the narrative, their official narrative is, is removed. So they just are able to hear the propaganda. It, so let's, uh, let's hope it stays up. And uh, I think that, that regardless of COVID, that strategy of just keeping your upper respiratory tract clean is a good idea. I've also seen studies of reducing the microbes around the eyes and the nasal passages using um, iodine water. There's something called the Bulletproof Sinus Rinse where you put a couple drops of iodine in salt water, you sniff it. And it just reduces the load there, which reduces inflammation and keeps the very upper part of the respiratory tract going. So there's, there's hygiene-based approaches that increase immunity so that you can handle something that happens to you, which is pretty cool. Yeah, David Bromsey's protocol involved a drop of, of iodine in the nebulization medium. Yeah. Oh, does he do? So I have nebulized iodine as well. In fact, I found it worked really well for colds. Yeah, yeah. He, he likes it. He's, and he's got some anecdotal stories of, 
of some of his patients who've used the just the nebulized hydrogen and they forgot the iodine and they were getting better and put the iodine and they got better. So sort of compelling. Very interesting. All right. And you don't put those in together though, right? You don't use iodine in? No, you can use them together, but you, just, you don't prepare it and store it. Oh, you can. I've never done that. Okay. Well, no. Yeah. He, that's what his protocol is. Okay. Right before you use it, you put the iodine in. Okay. That's really cool. All right, so there's something that you're listening to this, like what could we do? It, it may not cure everything, but if it reduces severity, that's all that matters, right? So if, if it's not very severe, you're going to be okay. What about long COVID, Dr. Mercola? I mean, so many people are talking about this. Do you have a, an explanation for that? I understood it when I interviewed Vladimir Zelenko, who's the physician I mentioned earlier, who was interested. I mean, even though he was doing all this pioneering work and figuring out protocols to treat this effectively, and he treated thousands of people. He's, got a, he's been in the trenches big time. I found out during my interview with him, he had a terminal pulmonary sarcoma that he had to figure out himself and treat. All this was going on. It was crazy. But Zelenko told me, because I asked him the same question you asked me, and I really can't answer that because I don't treat thousands of patients with COVID, but he has. And he told me that he's never seen any long-haul COVID symptoms in anyone that was effectively treated within the first few days, effectively treated. If they weren't treated in the first, after five days, then the virus has too much time to multiply and reproduce and just go into extraordinarily high numbers and then it causes long-term damage. But if you can get it effectively in the first day or two, you're golden, which is why, this is sort of revision of the nebulized peroxide protocol, the moment you feel a sniffle or you know sneezing or something, get to the nebulizer. It doesn't cost you anything. You've got it. Just use it. It's one, and baby, you have to just treat yourself once or twice, you know, that's it. You know, so the sooner you treat it, the more effective it's going to be. Because if you can get that virus before it starts to reproduce and multiply, it's going to be far more effective. And it costs like 50 bucks to buy a nebulizer. Well, the, a good nebulizer, it's under 100. It's under 100. Yeah, it's under 100. Maybe closer to 80. But uh, Tim Ferriss has a common question. He, he asks his guests, what's the best investment you or best thing you ever bought for under $100? This would have to qualify for almost everyone. <laughs> no question. It's under $100. Beautiful. I I really like that. I, I believe it's one of those basic health things because there are times when doctors don't know what to do, even if it's just a regular cold. And yeah, it'll knock stuff down in a way that's really powerful. And, and you want to make sure you don't get... Dave, let me interrupt. You don't want to make sure you don't get the nebulizer that's for $25 or $30 because you can get those on Amazon. Those are a piece of junk. You want the one that plugs in the wall. You want a real nebulizer. And this and that... The, when you put in the nebulization solution, it's not on the mesh directly. There's a separate container that you're breathing in through. So that's a key. So it pumps air through a little chamber that mixes the stuff that you breathe. Yeah. They're separate. They're not. They're okay. not all placed in one, one one unit. I've seen a lot lately about uh, niacin and vitamin C and quercetin and zinc for long COVID and how that tends to reverse it over time. Have you looked at that? Yeah, niacin, if it's going to work, I'm skeptical, but it will work because it's it's a precursor for NAD. You don't need much of it. I mean, I don't believe high-dose niacin be, be that effective. I think there's other more effective strategies that we've talked about in the past. Uh, but, I mean, it's, I, I take niacin every day. How about raising an AD? Yeah, raising an AD. I mean, you need some for sure. I mean, interesting, uh, people who died from pellagra. It killed people a century ago, right? Pellagra, de- dementia, diarrhea, dermatitis, and death, four Ds. Uh, and the primary reason for that was thought to be niacin deficiency, vitamin B3. And 
It turns out it's not a vitamin B3 deficiency. It's an NAD deficiency because you can give someone an IV NAD and not as a shred of niacin and it'll treat Allegro like magnificent. So it ultimately the niacin works because it helps your body create NAD. The, the papers that I've read are talking about how there's different pathways and NAD might not help with long haul COVID, but niacin apparently does. And basically they believe that the long haulers had low NAD when they got sick. So I think it's a good idea to get your NAD levels up before you get sick. Seem like a good strategy? A very good strategy. I take NAD suppositories every day and make them myself. So yeah. And I think you're doing that too now, if I'm not mistaken. I just got your recipe. Yeah, uh, I I am indeed. I've I've made my own suppositories of glutathione for a while, and uh, you inspired me to do it with NAD as well because I don't always have a needle and the desire to stick another needle in my arm to do it. So that is the the backdoor method for certain vitamins is the best way. <laughs> Talk to me about melatonin, and um, I I have huge amounts of melatonin here because I know what an antioxidant is. But a lot of people are surprised here. Melatonin might be in a treatment protocol or protecting yourself. Walk me through why that matters. There's a lot of things that you can use. Quercetin is probably safer than hydroxychloroquine. Also, has zinc ionophore, zinc itself, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, because it actually works very effectively for some of the, the clotting challenges that develop as a result of COVID. Um, and uh, melatonin, as you mentioned. But I think, you know, those are all nice. And vitamin C, how can I miss vitamin C? Vitamin D. I mean, there's all these other peripheral strategies. That, uh, but ideally, and there's no reason, they, they all work together synergistically, especially if you're going to use peroxide. If you're going to use peroxide, I learned from Levy, and it's a really important part of the, the, that I didn't put in the protocol initially, but should be, is you have to use vitamin C because vitamin C works with peroxide. It actually, they work yeah. synergistically. And if you don't have a high amounts of vitamin C, it's not going to work really well. So I would definitely do that. But I, I, I mean, I think we're wasting time discussing these peripheral issues because the primary thing is you need the nebulizers. That's the single most important tool you have. If you're doing everything else and not that, you're missing the boat. You are missing the boat. That is the, really the only thing you need. Yeah. I mean, you can use them. They're not, I mean, I use melatonin every night too. I use the same things. I, and you can go dangerous if you use too much zinc. I mean, maybe if you haven't used zinc and you're sick, then I would maybe go to 50 milligrams, but most people don't need more than 15 a day. And if you're taking more, you're going to potentially get in problems with drive some copper deficiencies and balances, you know, you've got to be careful. And if you're eating a lot of meat, like a lot of us are, you're getting enough zinc. There's plenty of zinc in meat. I mean, you're going to overdose on it. So you, you probably don't need a supplement. Up. So yep. got to be careful. But I want to talk about some of the important things now that are that even aren't in the book that it's just, this is a breaking news. And I'm thinking people are more about do share the vaccine passports. Great. Have you heard about them? It depends on what country you're in. Um, they're all making up random stuff, but apparently they're going to let the nice private companies administer these because private companies are so good at responding to, oh, wait. <laughs> Seems like a fool's errand to me. This, you know, you are going to need a, a vaccine passport if you want to travel by plane, if you want to use public transportation, if you want to go to concert, if you want to go to the library or restaurant, or you even want to go to the grocery store, you're going to need a vaccine passport. So if you have not been vaccinated, you know, it's, these are vaccines that are not going to be mandatory, but essentially they are because you won't be able to participate in virtually any type of life. This is what they're going to. And here's an interesting factoid. Yeah. Guess what company is largely responsible for putting this together? And you mentioned some private companies, but there's a primary one that's responsible for this. It's IBM. In IBM, you may not realize or understand, but one of their divisions 
was responsible for developing the systems to identify the Jews in Nazi Germany that were exterminated. They played a large role in this and they've admitted it. We wrote a whole, whole big article on this. So same company, you know, a few years later. Uh, and interestingly, and you know this well, IBM's market cap today is about 110 billion. The market cap of Microsoft is 10 times, it's over a trillion dollars. In 19, the early 1980s, this young kid, Bill Gates, Harvard School dropout, wrote the operating system, DOS, and sold it to, to IBM. And computer hardware, and it's for their emerging personal computer. They're the, they're the company that developed personal computers. And then all the clones started. But computer hardware became a commodity, and obviously my, IBM's stock didn't go up much since that time, but Microsoft sure did because the software became the big platform. So Gates became the wealthiest guy in the world. And really, you know, so IBM's playing a role here, but I think Gates plays a much bigger role. Really, uh, I'm laughing a little bit, Joe, because um, over my shoulders, a little bit off camera, I have one of the first 2,000 computers that was made by the company that became Microsoft. It was called MIPS, and my um, I was actually there. Uh, my mom was carrying me in her womb. She was the first employee <laughs> of Bill Gates, Ed Roberts, and Paul Allen. She answered phones when she was pregnant with me, um, and it's it's really funny because she she remembers all three of them and you know she worked there half time and you know stuff like that. Ed Roberts actually bought my crib, believe it or not. Who was it? Who was there? Gates. You went. Uh, who was the who were the three people she remembers? Gates. Gates and, Alan? and Ed Roberts and Paul Allen were the three founders. And Ed Roberts bought my crib. She still says he was so nice. And you know Paul's passed, but it's you know it was a, a brief time. They didn't give her stock options, unfortunately, or you know we'd be flying around in a private jet or something, but. Um, still it, it's one of those like family lore things. So I'm kind of laughing because, you know, this, this is part of, you know, part of my history is the very early days when, when that was happening. And, you know, it, no one could predict back then, you know, where things were going to go. Gates is brilliant strategically. Like there's no question. He's a super smart guy. You deny that you are ludicrous, irrational because he is. Yeah. No one can take that from and, and so I, I was just kind of laughing and talking about this history. I'm like, yeah, I, I got a museum piece back there. That's like, you know, one of these computers and, it changed the world. And I'm going to argue that tech has changed the world for the better um, because we can have this conversation because we can share it because we can solve problems. We've you know, we've solved so many things, but now there's like bad stuff happening and I think it's reversible. But let me ask you before we get into the vaccine passport even more, do you think it's reversible? Like is tech going to be used primarily for good or is it going to be evil? You've asked the, probably the best question you could possibly ask because I think that's the crux of the entire situation. It really is the core of what my new mission is to identify the specific agendas they have. And the agendas are very, very dark. As far as I understand it, their intention is to digitalize all of us and put us in a virtual world and, and essentially make humans digital assets and trading. That's, that's their agenda. Uh, and do we want to participate in this? I say no, but they've got a real big leg up on us and it's take a lot. And I agree with you completely. Technology tends to be independent, but there's a sordid history of the internet. I'm sure you're familiar with it. There's, if you're not, there's a great book called Surveillance Valley, which describes in great detail the military history of the, of the internet. And in large part, it controls most of it. It, 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 it you know, because it's central, it's a centralized structure. And I, I am so grateful for decentralized options, which I think is the real solution. And we need to develop the decentralized censorship resistant internet and social media platforms that is the answer it's not going to happen immediately it's going to take a long time 
But that's clearly the answer to this. And, and I think crypto is part of it too. And I think if your audience is not, not all of crypto, but most of it, you know, especially something like Bitcoin, but there are probably better uh, speculative assets in Bitcoin, but it's just, especially if they're decentralized, that, that can get you out of the financial system. That's big. That's a big, one of the biggest motivating catalysts behind this whole engineered pandemic is this transfer of wealth from most everyone to the, this few, this, this global tyranny that they evolved. And, you know, this, they, they want all the wealth and all the power. Gates is one of them for sure. And there's many others. So if you're in the traditional banking system, you've got to get out because they're, they, you know, they're going to force you something that's called CBDC, CBDC, central bank digital currency. That is, is essentially a smart contract that will absolutely limit and control everything you do. Like if you, they make, design the contract. So if you step out of your front door without permission, you lose all your money. I mean, it could be that, that nefarious. We don't know what it's going to be, but they'll have complete control because it's all centralized. So you need alternative sources to store your wealth. And while gold and silver are, are, have been the analog sources for years, they're, they're not really going to work that well in this new system. You really need a decentralized digital asset. And, you know, Bitcoin would be the classic example. It's, it's funny. One of the reasons it's called biohacking is because of my Silicon Valley career. You look at what the hackers did. A lot of people who aren't tech don't know this, but Microsoft pissed a lot of people off because you couldn't tell what the operating system did. And it was doing weird, inappropriate stuff or just crashing all the time or it was insecure. So hackers like me, like, hmm, maybe we could just do it ourselves. And this Linus Torvalds went out and made Linux. And today, most of the communication stuff that's going on between us is running Linux, where it is made by a collaboration of people. It's entirely open source and you can see everything. And so biohacking is this idea that you don't need a white lab coat or a university degree to control your own biology, that it's up to us to do it to ourselves. So we can run our own experiments on ourselves. And that's why hacking is in there. And what I believe will happen in my hope for tech is that the people who make a lot of money at these big companies and see the problems that are emerging, it's not that hard to do a decentralized dark web version of any social media network that doesn't live in any one place. And when you do that, it's very hard to shut it down. It's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. Yeah. Well, it's possible by manipulating network IP protocols and looking for patterns in packets. <laughs> I was VP of product for a company that did that kind of stuff. It's like, I know how that works, but we can still get around it with proper hacking. And so I, I'm really hopeful that, that in 20 years from now, instead of Facebook, you'll be on dark book and your computer is, you know, one billionth of the processing power for it. And it's spread around and it might be a little slow sometimes, but probably not. And no one has any say other than the code you can see. So I'm, that's the world I'm looking forward to, and I think it's going to happen. It's going to solve a lot of these problems. It'll probably create new ones too, but that's how tech works. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. 
For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Yeah, well, unless we have that, we are doomed. They, they, they're going to win. That is, that's the only option out that I see. There, there is no other solution. And there may be, I'm just ignorant, but I don't think there is. Because they, 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 they've got too much control. There are enough good-hearted, very, very wealthy people um, I've been fortunate enough to come in contact with who are willing to take the small amount of money that it takes to do that and fund it. I truly believe that because it's not that much money to them. It's just a lot of money to you and me. So it'll, it'll happen because it's sort of a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I'm excited about that because I, I, I agree with you completely. Okay, so if you're listening to this and your, your thing is getting pretty dark, uh, look, there's lots of solutions to the problem and there's enough people getting aware of the problem that we will solve it because that's what humans do. And when something is intolerable, you just do something better. And it doesn't matter if it's housework is intolerable, so you invent a washing machine <laughs> or whether censorship of free thought is intolerable, so you invent a censorship-free platform. I think it's going to happen. Um, let's let's get back to some of the more knowledge, some of the knowledge in your book. Okay, the nebulizer thing, we got it. The list of supplements, we got it. Well, yeah, so that, that was the big one I wanted to share with the viewers and listeners because that is huge. That's a really big takeaway. And I want to share some two other points I just learned today. So if this is not in the book, this is going to be a next book. Can you believe it? I have developed a system now to produce content real quickly. And we're going to have book number two, which will still be a bestseller because it's, it talks about more about the vaccine, which I think is really the crux of what's, what's going on. These, uh, Interestingly, you know, I, I, you probably have flown, flown recently. Last time I flew, the, the message, the narrative that the flight attendants are saying has changed. So even though you've had a vaccine and your test is negative, you still have to wear the mask. You still have to wear it. That's the rules. That will probably be the rules for the rest of our life. I'm sure you know that. I mean, initially we had the 9-11 challenge and then we got TSA for that and the home what is it? What are they called? Home security? No, it's not home security. It's uh, the Patriot Act, the Homeland Security Act. Act. Yeah, the, the whole department, health, health. I forget what it's called. I mean, it's the one that's in Homeland charge. Security. Homeland Security. Yeah. That's what it was. It was home. I forgot the land. Homeland Security, which is a huge department now. It's, I, it's many, many billions of dollars. So that we're going to probably have to wear masks the rest of our lives. It doesn't matter. We were told it's going to. It's going to stop the, the lock the the um, the lockdowns and everything but it hasn't in many states they're still locked down so here's here's the, the, the thing this, this this is an experimental gene therapy it is not a vaccine by any measure or any definition other than merriam webster changed the definition world health organization changed the definition, but it doesn't qualify it doesn't meet the criteria it is gene therapy it's messenger rna encapsulated in a liposome uh, and the liposome is, is potentially problematic. I had a really long discussion with Judy Mikovits, who believes that the liposome is makes that the messenger RNA, there are billions of these messenger RNAs in, in there, uh, essentially insulates it completely from the normal uh, system our body has, these, these RNAases that are enzymes that degrade RNA. But if they're in this liposome, they can potentially last in your tissues for a long time. You become a factory of making these proteins. That is not, no previous vaccine in the history of the world did this. They don't cause your own body to make the antigen, you know. So we have no idea what this is. This was never tested in animals. Uh, and interestingly, this is what I want to share. This was never tested in pregnant women. 
Never. Yet the CDC and the FDA encourage pregnant women to get this. And Stephanie Sennett, who I'm sure you know she is, she's an MIT senior scientist. She sent me an article. She's been on the show, yeah. She sent me an article today that from it was 15 years old, 15 years old, showing how sperm can take up foreign messenger RNA, convert it to DNA, and release it into little pellets into the cytoplasm. And it's her speculation that a vaccinated woman who, who gets pregnant with an embryo can have these sperm plasmids synthesize a spike protein and may actually cause miscarriages. Never been tested for yet. And this vaccine has never been tested in pregnant women, except the giant, one of the most giant, probably the largest human experiment in history that's going on right now, uh, administering these vaccines. So we'll know down the road, but it's only after everyone's been vaccinated or most everyone. How long would that take? We've had three months of people vaccinated. Wouldn't we start seeing a decline in fertility? Well, listen, we're not even seeing an honest documentation of the death rates. Guys like Hank Aaron die and the the boxer, I forget his name, uh, really good boxer, just died recently, literally within hours of getting the vaccine. And every time a celebrity gets the vaccine, instantly, well, the, their obituary in the New York Times never mentions the fact that they got a vaccine. And then other... You know, so the official mm-hmm. story, which is the New York Times, is that they, the vaccine was never an issue because they never mentioned it. But then other uh, publications come out to dispute and they get a corner to sign off and says it wasn't due to the vaccine. And what, there are literally thousands of people who have died now that have been reported to the VARS database. And the VARS database is at least 10% less, maybe 100% less. So you just have to hit one zero or two zeros to the reported deaths. I mean, that's well-documented. There's, there's lots of studies that show this. So there are, there are many, many people, more than likely, and, and that is just acutely. This is nothing about the long-term complications. When they gave this vaccine, they've been trying to develop coronavirus, back, true vaccines, for a decade in animal studies. Of course, it's really hard. It's a common cold, right? Yeah, yeah. When they gave this coronavirus vaccine to ferrets, it worked tremendously. They all got coronavirus antibodies, but then they exposed them to the infection. Every single ferret died. Every single ferret died because they had something called ADE, antibody-dependent immune enhancement. Their immune system went wild the next day. So we have no idea what is going to happen the next time they get exposed to an infection or they get the flu vaccine. And who's going to connect the dots? They'll be dying. It's just a coincidence. You know, you could have a positive COVID test, right? A positive COVID test. And you could die in a motorcycle accident and you died of COVID. 100%. Multiple cases of documenting this, right? They were counted as mm-hmm. COVID death. You get a vaccine, die in two hours. Oh, just a coincidence. Just a coincidence. Does that make sense? Yeah. We know they're cooking the, the numbers and there's just so much evidence of that. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. We know we're not supposed to get angry, but that, that fires me up. You know, it's just like, because it's so blatantly obvious. Anyone with a few brain cells can figure this out if they, if they weren't, I guess, just aware that they're being manipulated with all this propaganda. So one, one of the things that, that I've worked on a lot over the last two years um, is, is equanimity. We talked about you know, Dr. Barry Morgulon's work and all that stuff. Just, you know, being, 
being grounded and calm, even if people are doing really stupid stuff, even if bad people are doing bad things or good people are doing bad things or whatever the heck else, it's it's been one of the hardest things to be able to to grow and maintain. Um, but I so I, I feel like I can sit down, I can look at this, and I can say, all right, we may end up in a world, or so we are in a world where people lie. Um, big tobacco, <laughs> big ag, big Monsanto, all that stuff. They lie. They they cause devastation. And then it's good people's job to go in and reverse it and fix it and, you know, correct it. And over time, it seems like we generally do it, but it can take, you know, a generation of people dying who are the ones who lied. Um, I mean, do you foresee billions of people dying from this? There's a, a major 20-year veteran of the pharmaceutical industry from Germany who's like, I just destroyed my career, but I got to talk. This ADE thing is a big thing. I'm really worried about it. You don't vaccinate during a pandemic because of ADE. You wait till the pandemic's over and all kinds of stuff like this. I mean, are, are you sitting there going, I'm getting pissed off because I think billions will die? Because it's kind of what it sounds like. Well, th- I think it's potential. And I think it would be uh, foolish of me to make that type of projection and prediction. But it's possible, certainly. But, but is it a concern? Yeah, I, I don't. you're not predicting that, to be really clear. This yeah. has never been tested. So how do you know? We, we have you no don't. Clue. We don't know. It, it's the experiment is in process, in progress rather. So we will find out. All right. Uh, and eventually, the data is going to be manipulated, and you know, it, the, the you, we're not going to get real numbers. But if it's that egregious, we will. We ne- this doesn't always used to be the case because I remember, and I'm sure you've seen pictures of this or, or videos of Mike Wallace in her doing a video of a CBS 60 Minutes segment in the I think the 75 1976 with swine flu in which they halted the vaccine program because it was causing all these damage. One of paying $3 billion, the government paid it because they, that's the, here's the other thing about this too. There is a hundred percent, no liability from any of these vaccine manufacturers, complete insulation from prosecution for any damage that's done, any damage, because it's an emergency order. That's one of the strategies to manipulate. And, and you can't, I mean, that's true for any vaccine, but they specifically identified a, a, a separate act the PARP app, or PARP, I, I forget the name that is the acronym they're using for it. I think it's PARP, yeah. And then I, I have some hard questions for you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Someone's holding a gun to your head, and you have to get one of the available vaccines now. Mm-hmm. Which is the least evil of them? Which one would you pick? I wouldn't pick any. That's the answer to my question. I would not take any. I know, but so you, you just take the bullet to the head? I mean, literally, you would die before you get a vaccine? I'm going to probably die anyway because of that. Okay, I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, believe me, there's a very large price on my head, a very large price, and I have to pay a lot in security to make sure that they're not. Oh, I, I, I know you, and I believe that you've, uh, you've definitely made waves in some big industries where people do not like you. And I mean, I've, I've literally cost them billions, of, billions of dollars. That's a, I mean, and that is not a hyperbole. That is literally billions of dollars. I can document from what we've done. And when you cause billions of dollars are lost to a corporation, you are on the pit list. Yeah, I I believe that. All right, so you wouldn't do it. So from my, so then shoot down my thinking here. Um, there's uh, there's one that's based on a viral vector, adenovirus, and there's a bunch more that are liposomes with mRNA in them. Yeah, I know, right. I feel like the viral vector is better understood, the J and J one. And if I had to do it, I'd probably want that one. Good good logic. It's the, it's a, we don't know. It's the law of unintended consequences. You know, it may make sense. I'm concerned about these adenoviruses, and that's one of the reasons I'm concerned about CRISPR. I think CRISPR, for biohacking and longevity purposes, I mean, it has so much potential. They just awarded 
to Jennifer, the, the Nobel Prize not just a few weeks ago to Jennifer, do, do I know? It's hard to say her last name. And another got, person that got it. So it has great potential, but it, the, the, the CRISPR process uses the adenoviruses typically. I mean, there might be other viral vectors, but we have no idea what the long-term unintended consequences of that inter- intervention is. So I'd be really, really careful about it. All right. So, so just of the of the two, sometimes, you know, if you're in a position where you really don't have a choice um, and you're listening to the show, what should I do? From my perspective, you know, I, I think there is unknown risk um, of all sorts of things, including getting the virus, including getting the vaccine. And I like to have more data before I make decisions, uh, which some people think makes me a bad person. I think it just makes me rational. How much time do we need to have since this first wave of vaccines to know whether the bad consequences are there? Is this a two-year problem? Is this a 10-year problem? Well, well, you're going going down the wrong line of thinking. There is absolutely, in my mind and most every other expert, there's 100% no justification for this vaccine. Zero. No one has ever said or claimed that it prevents the disease. All it does is lessen the symptoms. And you you can treat this with the nebulous peroxide, probably 95% of the people w- wouldn't even need it. Vitamin D, all the other things we talked about, are far more effective, virtually free and of side effects, and, and don't cost anything. I mean, it's crazy. So we don't need the vaccine. It's the wrong strategy. You're, you're falling into the propaganda narrative that they follow. Not at all. Here's why. Okay, I'm with you 100%. Properly functioning immune system and biology, you're meant to be able to handle this stuff. We've done this forever. So we're 100% aligned. But I know people like, look, Dave, if I get a vaccine, I get to see my mother before she passes. If I get a vaccine, I can reunite with my young children. And I know it's stupid. I know it doesn't work. But I am going to go years without seeing my family if I don't do something I don't want to do. So since I have to do it in order to achieve other goals that have nothing to do with vitamin D, what the heck am I going to do? Are there things that you would do to lessen the damage from a vaccine? Like, would you take a bunch of enzymes that break up liposomes before you take it? Like, like how would you mess with a vaccine if you had to get it? Well, that, that's a good question. And interestingly, I've interviewed a lot of good people. And I think Judy Mike, if it's being one of the best, certainly one of the most well-qualified to answer that question is from anyone I would know. Because I, I had the same question. And actually thought about it and realized it was Judy. She's a, she's not only a virologist, she's a molecular biologist, and she's a brilliant out-of-the-box thinker that does never committed to conventional process. So I asked her that question, and it makes a lot of sense. There are things you can do. It's essentially everything you would do to treat the infection. Uh, some of the other things she adds in that's really- Before the vaccine. Before the vaccine, yeah. So you have your vitamin D levels perfect. You're doing all the biohacks. We're talking about metabolically flexible, avoiding linoleic acid, which you're such an early adopter of. Kudos for that. Uh, you know, cyclical ketosis, um, all those things. And then probably the, do the nebulized peroxide when you get it. So because all of those will improve your body's resiliency to any types of toxic insult. So that's what I would do. But I wouldn't get the vaccine. I wouldn't get it because you're, sur- you're capitulating, you're surrendering, you're giving up. That means they won. There is no justification for this. They've gotten away with murder. There is no justification for this vaccine. I, I'm no. with you 100%. And there are times when you know the cost of, of sticking to what makes sense and principles cause so much harm to others around you. 
I mean, I know stories in my family uh, from World War II. You know, um, one of uh, one of Lana's family um, spent a couple of years in a concentration camp for helping people escape from concentration camps, which was very destructive of the family, right? And you know, he he did the right thing, but it was at great cost. And I I got to respect if someone sits down and says, you know, I exhausted my options, and you know, even though I don't want to. I'm going to get the vaccine because the value to me and others of getting it, not to protect others, but because of access to the ability to feed my family, things like that, that if that's where they have to go, I, I, I value their right to make that decision. And I would still like to be able to talk with guys like you to offer really good advice about, you know, how do you be as safe as you can be if you make a choice that you don't want to make, or maybe when you do want to make, you know, so I'm, I'm open-minded. Maybe this is going to be a miracle and we'll, unlock a whole bunch of mRNA stuff and we're going to know all this cool stuff in a few years. And I mean, I'm, I'm open-minded. I'm curious, but I, I went through that. I don't think I want to be part of the first guinea pig set here. It just doesn't seem like a good plan to me. And maybe we'll learn something really cool out of all this. And I hope it ends well. <laughs> like, I just hope it ends. Right. Well, you know, you, you, you don't just have this, this spike protein, the messenger RNA for spike protein. You've also got PEG, polyethylene glycol, right? Yep. Which a lot of people are dying from autoimmune reactions from that. I mean, that's a lot of the instant messages with cell membranes. Yeah, yeah, it's just bad news. So I don't know. To, to me, it just seems if you capitulate and surrender, they've won. You know, because they're essentially making this mandatory. There's no justification for it. None, zero, and it's just. I mean, this is yeah. It's they, 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 this is carefully thought out. This is very strategic. They've been planning this for years. This is exactly what they want. And if they don't win this time, they're going to come up something even worse. But th- this is when we have to put the pedal to the metal and, and de- define and develop the, 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 the alternative infrastructure, the technology, so that we can communicate and provide valuable options. Because it, otherwise, they're going to win for sure. Uh, valuable options and the freedom to choose them are really important. Yeah. Absolutely. This is all about personal freedom and liberty. Uh, it is all about personal freedom, Dr. McCullough, for sure. Sorry, somehow we got like a two-second lag. I wasn't trying to talk on top of you. <laughs> no, no. It's, yeah, it's the internet. You know, Maybe they're targeting my computer. I mean, I've got a 600, at least a few hundred megs of bandwidth. So I don't know. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be any latency issues. But I'm actually going to get Starlink. I'm going to, I'm going to try that because you've got to have a backup. You know, I think Starlink might be part of the part of the workaround because they, they control all the, 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 the main fiber trunks, you know, and if they want to start, shut you up at the ISP level, they can Starlink will work around that. You know, it could be a really good backbone to connect with. So I'm excited that Elon is doing that. It could be while well, we could, we could have a whole episode on internet architecture and routing algorithms. I used to teach that stuff. I, I love that. As long as, as long as Elon has his own backbones and all that, it may end up being a, a separate internet. Yeah, he may, he may be part of the solution, yeah. Because they can block us at, at the ISP level, 100%. Wow, it's, uh, it, it's always fascinating to be able to, to pick your brain and sort of see, see the future that you see, the possible futures. And I know, I know your mind, uh, and you always go really deep on facts and information. That's why a lot of your posts, you know, they're very well referenced. Uh, and and you go and you talk to the people um, in in a way that's really cool, similar you know, to to what I have to do because you can't know everything, but you you end up getting to know the people who know this and this and this, and you assemble it really well. So I'm I'm excited about your new book. I'm excited that you're calling a spade a spade. Uh, that you're taking a stance. 
Uh, and I, I think you are going to be a massive best-selling author for this. I mean, 100,000 pre-orders is unheard of. And I, I hope it just raises awareness and questions. And I think it's okay for people to be undecided. It's okay to say, I'd like to wait a while. And look, if it's if you look at all the numbers for yourself and you decide, you know what, the right thing to do is to get it. Look, I'm not going to disrespect you. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, right? It's a decision each person makes, but you should make it with all of the facts, all of the facts, if you're going to make it and not with just propaganda. And and that's our right. Uh, that's part of medical freedom is to do really stupid things to your body. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we, we have to preserve that right. And anytime someone tells you you have to do something in order to do something that's a basic part of living in modern society, that's not medical freedom. Well, I would add to that that when you are inquiring your information to make an informed choice, you cannot stay with conventional platforms. You cannot be on YouTube and Google and Twitter and Facebook and think you're going to get any hint of the truth because everything has been censored there when it comes to this pandemic. Everything, 100%. So many people have been deplatformed and the search engines manipulated, as we talked about previously. So you will, you will not get access to the other side. They have eliminated it. This has been the most effective and stringent marketing campaign in the nearly 250-year history of our country. Nothing has existed like this before. They, they're controlling the entire narrative. They, don't, they, 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 they fear any opportunity. So, you know, it's very predictable. I don't... Uh, See, criticize anyone who makes a choice. They have no other rational, objective choice, really, when the only thing you're given is a one-sided story. Well, I mean, of course, do I want to do this? Yeah. And, and they'll do joyfully. They'll jump to the front of the line to get the vaccine because they think it's, it's so great. It's interesting. We've got the Upgrade Collective members uh, listening as our live audience, and uh, they have a couple of questions for you. And there's a comment here from Mona. She says, in Italy, vaccines are mandatory for doctors, including pharmacists. So if you want to stay a doctor or have your job, you have to get the vaccine hands down. So it's, oh, it's optional, except you don't get to eat. And it looks like that's happening a lot. That's been for the, true for the flu vaccine, too. Uh, so no surprise. Uh, yeah, in those cases, you um, have the you're usually working for an employer, right? Like a hospital or a clinic or a practice, uh, and then you have no choice. But if you're independently employed, then you do. So that might be a sign that you just go find somewhere else to work. You know, maybe the best long term strategy. You know, a lot of the challenges we have in life is, is helpful to use an inverse paranoia. So problem, as you know, what Doctor B would say, good. Then you learn and, and make another decision, you know, make a decision to, to reactivate that. So, yeah, I mean, it may not be the, it look good initially, but it might turn out really great for you in the long run. Uh, so it, uh, we, we're not sure yet, but I'm, I'm sure hopefully it turns out long or it turns out good in the long run. Um, Holly's asking, how do you break the controlled narrative on the platforms? You stop using them, which means the echo chamber is still there. So how would you guide people who want to take action on this? I don't know. We're still in investigation stage, so I don't have a specific recommendation. I, I'm hoping to work with some really bright people, you being one of them. And, you know, we've, we've collaborated with some really great people. I'm sure you know more that can, can develop a solution. And, you know, we've got access to people who are very, very wealthy who can fund this. So we just we need a plan. We don't have one at this point. It's still we're in the investigation stage. I had someone ask me once, like, Dave, I want to be a, a vegan food activist. How do I go about doing it? And I'm like, here's how you do it. Shut up and eat. 
I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, there's no such thing as a food activist. Like what you need to do is you need to show people that what you're doing works. So what I would suggest that people can do now is you can educate yourself. You can read Dr. McCall's book. You can look at alternative platforms and, and look, and, and there's probably some BS on some alternative platforms too, as much as there is on the mainstream one. So discerning ear and then practice things that make you look and feel healthy and let you be not in a state of fear <laughs> and respond to questions rather than forcing it on people. And when you respond to the questions, respond to the questions from a very neutral perspective. Like, look, there's pros, there's cons, but this is what the abundance of evidence that I've seen does. And you don't have to bring in all of the data points you have now. Um, you can bring in enough that it creates the the space for the question for someone versus uh, I have a couple of friends who they'll be like, well, have you seen the latest? You know, and, and they, they bring down, you know, the, the aliens are coming from the sky thing. And that doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve that mission. So I, I would say be, be reasonable, be level, be grounded. And a lot of this happens not on social media. It happens when you talk with your family, happens when you talk with your colleagues and it happens, it talks, it's when you're not defensive about it, where you're, you're questioning, you're curious you can hold your ground, but you're non-reactive. And you're like, look, you know, we we can all be safe here. We can do this. And I find that that seems to work, seems to work as best as anything I can think of. But it's the face-to-face that matters. Yeah, yeah. You got to connect with the right people. I mean, you got you, you know. Fortunately, if you were involved in this space before they had the censorship, you know who the people are. If you're not, then you're kind of clueless. You have to know someone who knows them. <laughs> it's true. It, it's much harder to find experts and like really well-researched pieces. It, it's really crazy. Another question from Alan in the Upgrade Collective. And guys, the Upgrade Collective is my membership group where you get early access to podcasts. You get to be part of the live audience and I'm teaching all of my books over the course of a year. So ourupgradecollective.com. Now, Alan's saying, Dr. McCullough, you mentioned polyethylene glycol or PEG as causing vaccine fatalities. Are there any other things in the vaccines that are causing it, other adjuvants or things like that? No, there's not specific adjuvants that, that I'm aware of. You don't need an adjuvant yeah. because it, it's essentially causing your body to make the antibody, right? And that's actually a good thing to, to be really clear. At least there's no aluminum, formaldehyde, uh, mercury, all those things. We didn't want those in there. So at least they got rid of those. That's a little bit of good, even though there's some other stuff in there that we don't know much about or that looks like it's probably bad. But like net net, at least we got rid of one group of bad crap. We might replace it with another worse one. We're not sure yet. I think I, I, I haven't studied the vaccines, done a deep dive on it because it just gives me gets me so annoyed. Uh, but I believe it's the Oxford uh, AstraZeneca vaccine that has the border fetal tissue. It may I may have mixed them up, but one of them does. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one with the virus has the fetal tissue in it. Yeah, one of them. So who knows? I don't. But that that would be an issue. I know that's causing the re- the reaction. I haven't, and there might be something else in that I'm just not aware of. It says I haven't really done a deep dive in this because to me, it, it, it's it's almost a mood issue. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's, I guess it's important to know from a scientific perspective what's causing it. But you know, I just would never recommend it to anyone. I mean, you may could have a potentially justifiable reason for some vaccines, although I don't know of any. But I mean, you could make a pretty valid argument. Most of them, you can't. But some of them potentially, but you can't make a just justification for this vaccine at all. No way, shape, or form. If you have, if you follow any type of rational logic, it's just impossible. I I hear what you're saying, and I, I a lot of the behaviors that we're doing right now don't seem to match 
logic or reality, at least the way I live it, including, you know, destroying the middle class, shutting down businesses. Um, up here in Canada, they said, oh, the numbers went up slightly. So let's tell every restaurant to shut down with no notice, which means if you have $10,000 worth of meat in your freezer, you just have to throw it away because you can't serve it, no warning. So they're they're systematically looting the middle class. As a Canadian, you know what uh, Trudeau did? I think the last week, if I'm not mistaken, anyone flying into the country has to take a test. If you test positive, you are put into an internment camp. An internment camp. Well, I think they call them hotels. Yeah, it's an internment camp, forcefully put in there. You have no choice, you're put in there. The the good news is that if you say no to the test and the uh, and all that, they write you a two thousand dollar ticket that they throw out of court later. So there's lots of Canadians coming in going, "Sorry, there's a Canadian constitution." That's what I've heard, but of course, I'm a law abiding citizen of Canada. Actually, I'm a law abiding whatever of Canada. But have you flown back into Canada recently? I haven't flown under the new rules. No, I flew under the old rules, which required fourteen days of quarantine uh, when I came home, which I honored. I you know, don't think it matters that much, but, um, so I, you know, did, did, I stayed in a separate house and waved at my kids through the window for a couple of weeks, uh, and did extra meditating. It wasn't the end of the world, but I'm pretty fortunate, right? Cause I have a separate house to do that. Right. So I, I get it. So we, I, I'm hopeful that at a certain point, enough people will become so outraged when they realize that they have no more money, no more livelihood, no more businesses, uh, no more fun, no more community, no more connection. One effect is anxiety and depression. And the opposite of that is anger. (laughs) And any politician involved in this should really look forward to another career outside of politics. Um, And I think that is going to happen. And um, I don't know how many countries are going to turn a little bit more aggressive than just voting people out of office, but it wouldn't surprise me if globally some really interesting things happen over the next couple of years. I sure sure hope we can solve everything peacefully and line up and just tell people, you know, you have rights. And you have rights to do stupid things, whether that means getting or not getting the vaccine, whatever your definition of stupid is, you have rights. And we've got to maintain that. Dr. Mercola, when can people get your book? Is it already pre-ordered on Amazon? Oh, you can pre-order it. I think it comes out uh, the third week of April. Okay, so it's almost there. So you should be able to pre-order it. And uh, I would in, I would encourage you guys to order it now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope Amazon keeps selling it because you never yeah, know. Yeah, well, they should have enough copies, but it might be ordered a hundred thousand, but they might sell out. I don't know. Yeah, they might. So I'm certainly, uh, I'm certainly going to be reading this. And uh, one final question from the Upgrade uh, Collective here: We talked a lot in your book. Talks a lot about the the normal supplements and nebulizers. If you had an older person in your life who wanted to have backup prescription medications, there's hydro hydrocloxy hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Is there anything besides those that you should probably have on hand? No, they, uh, no, those would be the only two drugs that may be difficult to get, uh, depending where you're at, you know, they may be illegal to get. Uh, I, I just don't know the status of them yet. I think quercetin is a good substitute for hydroxychloroquine that's available in most places. Uh, and it does this pretty similar benefits, although hydroxychloroquine may have some other additional mechanisms. Uh, ivermectin, right? They're both relatively safe, and you may be available to get them from a pet supply store. Um, but you know, get your vitamin D levels tested. They need to be tested. You need to be sixty to 90, eighty nanograms per milliliter. If you're in Canada, you multiply it by two point five, so it'd be one hundred to one hundred fifty nanomoles per liter. Uh, and if you're not, you know, if you if you have 
this time of year, unless you're living in Florida or somewhere even further south, you're probably going to be deficient. So you need about eight to 10,000 units orally a day uh, to get your, get your levels back up. So you, you want your levels in therapeutic window when you're exposed to the virus. I mean, it, it, it's so clear. The people who had normal vitamins, I wrote a paper on this, a review paper. It got published in Nutrients in October. Oh, you've been a leader in vitamin D for years. You and Dr. Cannell from the Vitamin D Council are like the two earliest voices I ever saw. Yeah, I, I just, I, well, Hollick would be, preceded me by many, many years. Michael Hollick of Boston. And I actually emailed with him today. We're probably going to interview him soon. So really great guy. Uh, but um, you got to get your vitamin D levels up. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's like crazy not to. And it's, and it's, it, it's the least expensive supplement you can get. It's the cheapest one. Have some vitamin C on board, you know, you, especially liposomal because you can take high doses. You don't want to take high doses all the time. When you get hit with it, you do. Maybe take a few hundred milligrams a day, maybe a thousand a few times a week. I, I have to ask you this because you and I are on board with this don't eat omega-6, right? And all of the liposomal vitamin C is full of omega-6. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, very good point. Yeah, because... Well, yeah, I, I didn't even realize that, but it's it, it's a matter of quantity, right? It, it is a matter of quantity and oxidation. So I, I don't worry about a little bit of non-GMO soy lecithin or sunflower lecithin. Yeah, it's not so much the oxidation because I'm assuming most of it's not going to be oxidized, but even if it was, it, the, the real danger is the omega-6 cell. So in our case, we have liposomal C, 1,000 milligrams. 1,000 milligrams, that's one gram. So, and, and most of it's vitamin C. I don't know how much soy oil is in there or sunflower. We use sunflower oil is in there. I, I think it's by weight a lot more oil than, uh, than vitamin C from what I've seen. Like those packets with a gram are usually like five or six grams. I, I don't worry as much about lecithin because you need some. And, you know, 2% of grass-fed meat is omega-6. So they're, they're, it is essential. So I'm like, all right, if it had a good carrier in there, and the predominance of your fat is saturated. I don't think it's going to put your ratios high enough to matter. Um, so I, I don't worry about it, but I thought you might have a different perspective on it because it's, you know, it's one of those cases. Is it worth it? I'm OCD on omega-6. I mean, I'm right. That's my, well, it was, I thought of my next book. I might be writing two before then. After I wrote the EMF book, I said, I'm not writing another book for two years or for 10 years, 10 years. And then I want, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to writing four books in one year. It's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. I do one every year and I thought I was on a pace. Yeah. Well, I've got a huge team here that really helps. That, that helps having some good researchers. I, I hear you a hundred percent. So, all right, I'm going to go out on a limb here and put on my super biohacker hat and we're going to go back to that. All right. You know, someone walked up to you on a subway and gave you the vaccine against your, your better judgment. Now you talked about ahead of time, you know, making sure that your immune system was strong what would happen if one was to take O-cyclosporin oh, and other herbal and pharmaceutical immunosuppressants? Just completely destroy or at least inhibit your immune response for six weeks after your injection. Not a good strategy. I think it's a pretty bad idea. Yeah. But you can use things like interferon. Interferon is one of the ones that Judy Mikovits recommends. So you use interferon after the injection so you don't get as big of an effect from the injection? Yeah. And before even, yeah. Okay, so interferon might be the answer for those of you who are looking like, oh my God, you know, I might have to do this. And that's an injectable. Beautiful. Dr. McCullough, I always love picking your brain. I love your passion and your belief, your willingness to just go out there and say it and do it. 
Uh, and you've been doing that for, for decades and definitely have earned my respect. So thank you for uh, sharing your knowledge and continuing to write books and just to get it out there, regardless of whatever gets thrown in your path, uh, you're, uh, you're doing a good job. So thank you. Well, thank you too. Uh, it takes, it takes a, a village and you're part of the village. So thanks so much. Ah, uh, much appreciated. Upgrade Collective, guys, thank you for your great questions today. Next time we'll have it so we can wire in your audio. And uh, I would just uh, encourage if you're listening to this and this this episode pissed you off, it did it in one of two ways. Either because the vaccines are great, everyone should get them, vaccine hesitators or deniers or whatever are bad people, or you're on the other side going, anyone who get a vaccine is a horrible human being. All of that is a lie. <laughs> so you don't have to be angry that someone wants to do something different than you. You don't have to be angry when someone is wrong. You don't have to be angry when someone does something that you don't even respect. You can just accept that they did that. Maybe they have bad facts. Maybe they have better facts. Maybe they have childhood trauma. It, you, you can't know why they do what they do, but you can have clean boundaries and say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do for the reasons I'm going to do it. And other people don't have a right to in, interfere with that. And that is the calm place of, you can hear this episode and you can be like, I don't really believe all of that, or I believe all that, or there's a lot more that didn't talk about the aliens. All of the above is okay right? So peace, community, joy, love, and disagreement all at the same time. See you guys on the next episode. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.